You're listening to The Pastor Pod, sharing what we're learning to help you lead well in our culture today. This podcast is hosted by pastors Josh Robinson and Jay Mudd. Their goal is to be real, transparent, and let you in on what pastors really think about stuff. Welcome back to The Pastor Pod, and if you're new with us, uh, Pastor Pod is all about real and transparent conversations on what pastors really think about stuff. And so if you're new with us, I'm Josh. And I'm a pastor here in Venice, Florida. I'm here with my co-host, as always, Jay Mudd, who is in the Orlando metro area. And today we are going to have an incredible conversation, uh, an incredible pastor and friend that that I've met back in college, Josh Abernathy, who's coming from uh, City Church in Griffin, Georgia. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's, it's a long time no see, buddy. So it's uh, it's, it's good to see your face. I mean, it's great I mean, to see we your talked face. over, you know. Yeah, Facebook and stuff, but yeah. And Jay, it's good to see you as well, man. So, does you does you, you guys still use Facebook? That's interesting. Uh, I don't I don't use Facebook a lot, so yeah, it's good to meet. You. I just met Josh yeah. like ten seconds before you hit before you hit record on this podcast. I met Josh uh, for the first time, and um, they've already been ragging me. It's been a it's been a long time already. I feel like this podcast has been a long. We just hit record. Yeah. And I feel like I've been on this podcast for a long time. Because, see, we do value transparency on the podcast, Josh, but you call it passive-aggressive. But it's transparency. It's real. It's truth is what it is. But it's not passive-aggressive. You like to get me all worked up, and that's what you get. So here we go. Let's go. This Let's is going to be fun. Well, yeah, we, had, we had a quick talk about Boston sports. And obviously, if you follow the NBA playoffs, you know, Boston Celtics had a great run. But they just played. This, they yeah. played game seven like like you would play a pickup game at the local YMCA. They kind of just walked up and down the court. They seemed all out of shape, and the Heat played like they wanted to win the game. And it was just really odd. And I didn't know. I didn't want. I didn't want to. I don't want to be negative. But I'll just say from Listen. from and, and I'm not a I'm not a Heat fan. I'm not a Celtics fan. I'm just a Man. basketball fan. Just did it. Just it just it broke my heart because I wanted to see a buzzer beater you know end of the the second overtime kind of game i was yeah they forgot it was was game six they forgot it was game seven they they played they played game seven or game six which is weird i don't know they they didn't have any left in the tank josh what was your what was your take i mean josh is a big basketball guy so i wanted to get you know i I, i've become a i don't want to be i mean i'm gonna get ragged on as a bandwagoner but i have become a jimmy butler fan i just think he is just cold like cold-blooded uh I was hoping for a better game. I mean, I so game six was Saturday night, and uh, you know it went it went into the into the late hours, and uh, I was so ticked after game six because I wanted the heat to go, and so I didn't I didn't get to sleep till like one a.m. I was like, I got to get up in like four hours, but I have to preach, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. But the Celtics didn't. I mean, I think that, you know the ankle hurt a little bit, but no excuse for Jalen Brown, and you know, I just. Eight turnovers, eight turnovers, eight turnovers. But but I received a text message during the fourth quarter, probably like 10 minutes left in the game from, from our very own Jay Mudd saying, well, who's your pick? Who's going to win the game? The heat or the Celtics? I'm like the the heat. They're out by like 20. He's like, Oh no, the Celtics are definitely going to (laughs) win. Okay. You're not reading. I was like, well, I know you believe in miracles. You believe in miracles. I do. I listen. I'm I'm not a bandwagon fan like my friend down here, Josh, that I just met. Uh, hey, listen. You know, I'm not a bandwagon fan. Butler didn't show up in the last two games 
uh, the Heat were playing. He didn't really do much. All right. I, I think he's, I think, yeah, whatever. He's overrated. He's overrated. I'm, I mean, you can't, I can't, can't do much. I can't, I can't even say that with a straight face. Butler's a good ball player. He's he a really good ball is. Player. He really <laughs> is. And, and here's the thing. I'm, I've been a long time, you know, hurt, a very disappointed Orlando Magic fan from a long time ago. Right. We've had some good years, mm. but a long a time team? ago, they had a chance to actually get Jimmy Butler about eight years ago. And they, yep. they they passed on him. So I'm yep. still a little salty over that. But um, mm. but yeah, basketball I mean, season is coming to an end. So it's exciting to see the finals. So we, I, we don't I feel like I need to anymore. comment on the I need to comment on the bandwagon thing. I'm a Hawks fan through and through. We just I mean, what am I gonna talk about right now? Like we, we gotta get rid of Trey Young. Like I don't know what we, hey, at least at least you're in the playoffs. I mean, that's good. Yeah. They were in the playoffs a long time ago. Yeah, Josh is lifelong Atlanta guy, right? So I mean, you've been yeah. in Atlanta for quite a while, and and uh, we're just super glad you're here. And so we want to take some time, get to know you and your family, get to know what God's been doing in your in your church. I've been following you from afar and seeing you, you guys plant City Church, and I know Warren's on staff, and I know a lot of great mm-hmm. people are up there with you. And so just tell us a little about your family. Uh, tell us about uh, kind of what you know where God's brought you guys and. Uh, introduce yeah. the pastor pod audience to to who you are. Yeah, man, for sure. So, um, yeah, I've been uh, I've been married for 16 years, and so I actually met my wife at the school that Josh and I attended at college. We attended to Falls College. Um, met her there, and she didn't want anything to do with me, and I just bugged her for about a year, and finally she went on a date with me, and here we are now. So she's thankful for that. Um, but married for 16 years. Uh, we have three kids. I have a 13-year-old daughter named Addie, 11-year-old daughter named Lucy, and an eight-year-old son named Shaw. And so uh, we have been, we've lived in the metro Atlanta area uh, since we uh, graduated from college. And so I was on staff at a Christian school for about four years. Um, I got, uh, they brought me in to coach basketball. And two years in, I realized I am an, a decent player on the uh, NC, NCCAA Division II level. Um, in CCAA Division II level decent player, uh, but an awful coach. And so um, I transitioned there into just kind of a Bible uh, teaching role there. And then uh, about four years in, um, we got called into uh, be a part of a church plant as a three-year-old church plant at the time um, that we, the church that we've been attending. And so the pastor was like, hey, we think you could be a great student pastor. Do you want to come on staff with us? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. He's like, awesome. I can't pay you for the first year. I was like, this is what it's like to be a part of a church plan. Okay. <laughs> and so, uh, but I said, yes. And, um, and so we were for free for the first year and, uh, and then came on part-time and then uh, came on full-time there and was there for about eight years. And so in that eight years, we had um, our three kids were born and, uh, and then we just felt a call out of that into, um, into where we are now. And so it's actually the area that my wife grew up in and it was the area that we had been living in. Uh, for about uh, 10 years. And so um, we uh, felt the call here to Griffin. And so, yeah, man, so we've been, uh, we've playing a church, we playing church four years ago, and it's been a crazy ride. Uh, our family, our kids love it right now, which is a gift. Um, but we are like, we are big sports people. And so uh, my kids, uh, my two girls, I tried to get them to play basketball and they wanted nothing to do with it. So one plays volleyball and soccer and then they play soccer. My son plays basketball, but he just informed me this past baseball season that he likes baseball more than basketball. So my soul died a little bit, 
Um, and, uh, and we're working through that now, but I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's a, us in a nutshell. Um, so yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're excited about what God's doing and, um, yeah, we, uh, we love it. We love church planning for sure. So did you say your son sold out because he wanted to play baseball instead of basketball? I mean, I, I, I don't know if I can, can you call your kid a sellout? I mean, I, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> I, don't, I, I'm just I asking felt like what that. You said. I, you, that's what you said. You felt like it was a sellout. No, I no no. I, my soul died a little bit when he told me. Oh, there it is. Why did I say yeah, so? My soul yeah, died. I, I'm so, I was like, sell out. Wow, that's strong. That's that's, that's yeah. Strong. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're we're competitive in our family, but you know, yeah. <laughs> Not that competitive. Not that no. competitive. Okay. No. Yeah. Make sure I heard you properly. Okay, I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm I misheard. I misunderstood you. My fault. Okay, got it. That is all right. Yeah. Uh. So, Josh, you've been at the you've been at the church. You at City Church. How long now? So four years. So we were, we, I was, I was on staff at a church plant, um, you know, and so we were 10 years old at the time, uh, 11 years old about, and, uh, and just felt like um, God started doing something new in my heart when I was there. So at that point I was a next gen pastor. And so I actually went to our lead pastor and said, Hey, um, I feel like the, the decisions we're making, we were two campuses at that time. And I said, Hey, the decisions we're making, I think they're biblical. I think they're Holy spirit led. I said, there's just some things that we're doing that I want to look at them. Like I would, I think to myself sometimes I might do that differently. And so I, I just, I said, Hey, can you help me understand whether that's, if that's, if it's preference, uh, I'll just get over it. But if it, God's doing something new in me, can you help me kind of navigate through that? And so we, uh, I mean, uh, my wife and I and him and the elders, they just kind of protected us for a few months and of just prayer. And, um, and just, we came into a meeting about three months later and said, Hey, we feel like God's calling us to plant a church. And they were like, it's about dang time. And so uh, he, uh, he got on stage and said, hey, we're going to send Josh and Lauren to plant a church. And uh, whoever wants to go can go. He told our staff, whoever wants to go, go can go. And uh, he paid, they paid our salary for the first year as we planted. And so I tell that story because it's not the way that uh, the more church planters I met, that's not the way that most stories happen when someone feels the call within a staff and gets sent out. And so it's just been a really healthy uh, just it's beautiful cool. process uh, for us. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. It's cool to see from afar kind of what God has been doing. And so, you know, you shared a little bit with me offline, just that your one year anniversary was online only due to COVID, yeah. right? And and all you've been through. So tell us a little bit of the journey. Of course, you know, you shared the church sent you out. They They helped send people. They didn't just say it. They actually like really was, they really were a multiplying church they really wanted to see you guys succeed so tell us like how your vision was developed and kind of the way you launched the church like how, how did you launch yeah. the church differently maybe than how a lot of people might launch a church yeah so i mean the the the, the runway was pretty healthy and uh lengthy for us and so it was 2018 um we finished up uh in june of 2018 but really i had about i had a couple months where they kind of let me do both so i was kind of wrapping up ministry and student ministry but also planting and everything but before that i mean we, we were just praying okay we felt the call to plant we didn't know where and so um god just kind of brought as i was driving home one day god brought two verses to my heart um matthew uh, 5 14 city on the hill cannot be hidden jeremiah 29 7 seek the peace of the city which i have sent you and uh and so god just kind of married those two verses together and just said hey i want you to be a part of the city of god for the city of griffin and so 
Um, Griffin is, it's where, where we live. Um, we live like really right outside of Griffin, but we would drive through Griffin every day and go to McDonough where we were on staff. And so it was also this place that in that three months of praying where I would park in one parking lot every day on my way home and just pray, God, what are you doing? And so we just felt like God gave us a very pretty clear vision to be a church that's for our city. And so we just, uh, we started learning that. And so I'm, I made a list of a hundred people, teachers, business leaders, uh, the mayor, city manager, and just asked, I just scheduled meetings with them and just asked them four questions. And uh, I said, you know, hey, we don't want to come in here and be prescriptive because that's what most churches do. They come into a community and say, we know what the city needs or we know what the community needs. And so we want to be students. And so we need you to, we're going to ask you to be as descriptive as possible so we can learn. And so I just met with a bunch of people and uh, asked them four questions. So, you know, what is your vision for the city in the next five years? What is the city's greatest needs? What do you, what do you want the city relationship between the city and the church to look like? And, uh, or what does it currently look like? And then what would you dream of it looking like? And so uh, about 90% of the people that I had conversations with said, no one's ever asked us what they would, what we would like the church relationship between the church and city to look like. And so, um, we just built some trust there. Uh, and at that time I couldn't, the only thing I, I could offer was an ice cream truck. So we, the first purchase we made in our fundraising journey was we bought a FedEx truck. Uh, we wrapped it and uh, with ice cream graphic threw three freezers in there and uh, and would just drive around and uh, not drive around like creepy ice cream truck. We would do events. <laughs> but um, in sitting in those meetings, I was like, hey, I can't offer you anything. In fact, I'm not going to come away from this meeting and be like, we'll meet that need. I said, the only thing I can offer you is free ice cream, which created a cool conversation of like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, it's weird. And I was like, no, we have an ice cream truck. And so uh, today that ice cream truck is we've handed out over a hundred thousand pieces of ice cream um, at over 500 events. And uh, it's just been a cool way to build trust in the community, but that's really how we started is we just started kind of asking questions. And then um, one day those questions led to uh, just the organization called the downtown council. They throw events downtown. And I just said, what's your greatest need? And they're like, we don't have volunteers. And so I was like, well, how many volunteers do you need? And she said, we need like 15 for an event coming up. And at that point, our launch team was about 35 people. Um, and so I was like, we can do that. And so doing that led to the city lost funding for movies in the park. And I was sitting in a corner, uh, in a back corner of a meeting. And like, I'll, I sit, I can't, we'll come to these meetings and like, I will speak when spoken to, I just want to learn. And they're like, hey, we need to do a movie in the park, but no, we can't fund it. And so the head of the downtown council looked at me and said, Josh, do you guys want to, do you want to take a movie in the park? And I was like, yes, I don't know what that that means or what that is but yes we'll do that and so um we started doing movies in the park and building that trust and so that was our first movie in the park was june of 2018 um and so at that movie in the park uh we did it strategically in downtown so we may get this later but our our city is incredibly divided um geographically and so by train tracks and so you have north griffin um who is it's a predominantly black community you have uh, south griffin which is predominantly white and to drive two blocks between the communities, to drive two blocks south, the average income drops by about $100,000. And so um, it's uh, it's just incredibly divided. And so, I mean, the, the phrase on the other side of the tracks is what's used here a lot about people. They live on the other side of the tracks. And so um, we just started, you know, we strategically did the event in the middle of all that. And so there's a bridge that goes over that those train tracks and connects the two parts of the city. And so we did the event right where that bridge is at this little pocket park. And so you had families walking over the bridge and families driving their golf carts to the event. And so 
at that event, my uh, a mom came to my wife and said, hey, thank you for creating a space that I haven't seen in a long time. It's a space where white kids and black kids can play together. And I can I can show my kids and my family that this is celebrated and it's not something that should be foreign to us. And so we just felt like we were onto something and more importantly, God was onto something there. And so um, we just tried to build that momentum um, of that. And, uh, and so we launched, um, we were supposed to launch in January of 2019. And uh, that's a whole nother story. We uh, we couldn't find a place to rent. And so that we were trying to be portable, but we just couldn't find a place to do that. The school system had been burned by their churches, so they wouldn't let us in. And so we found a building downtown that we were like, we're going to buy this building and we're going to renovate it. And uh, it was a very small building and we could afford it. So we did this thing. We, we had it under contract. And so we had to do uh, environmental tests on it. And then December 20th of 2018, found out that there was $250,000 worth of soil remediation that had to be done in the building. And so we had to walk away. It was the worst Christmas of my life. Um, and so at that point, I was like, we're just not supposed to do this. Like I was literally ready to walk away from it. And, uh, and so we just, we kept plugging away. And then we found a, we ended up launching in a, um, in a basically a strip mall. Uh, we had about 11,000 square feet that a church was in and they were leaving and they called us and we just took over the lease of it. And so we signed the lease February 28th and uh, it was, it was pretty beat. Uh, like the carpet was from the Reagan administration. Um, and so we had to renovate the entire thing. So we renovated 11,000 square feet in two weeks and just launched. We didn't do preview services. Uh, so you're talking about what did we didn't, we didn't go by the book at all, but we were like, we've got to launch. And so we launched March 17th, 2019. And so if you do the math, uh, March 15th, 2020, uh, well, that was when COVID, uh, ramped up and that was, we had to can Saturday before that Sunday, we had canceled all the food trucks for the one year celebration and all that stuff and went online. And once again, we're faced with like, Hey, what's going to happen. And are we actually going to make it through this thing? Um, so every, every birthday it's, uh, you know, I kind of get, kind of get the shakes a little bit, twitch a couple of times. So, but yeah, yeah that was it. So that, yeah, we, uh, you know, we've tried desperately to stay, be a church that we just have three values that we're, you know, uh, and our church was planning on this, the initial question of what would it look like for a group of people to exhaust who they are on what they're for instead of what they're against. And so our three values that we want to be for Jesus, for all people and for the city. And so we've just tried to live that out over the last couple of years as best as we possibly can. I love that you said you didn't do it by the book. Uh, I think so many times we get caught up in the fact that there is a book or a right way or a wrong way uh, to plant a church. Um, and it can't be farther from the truth is that yep. God may not do it, you know, two times the same way. And very often, very rarely does he do it two times the same way, even though there may be some very, you know, uh, common factors, very rarely does he do it the same way. And so I love your story. I appreciate the story because it reminds us that God works um, in different ways, in different places, in different communities. He knows exactly what that community needs at the time he needs. And uh, one of the things I appreciate and I, I want to highlight is the humility you went into the city with because i think that's where god used that humility um to give you favor with uh the county uh, you know the city because your humility yeah. was i just want to be a student of the city and learn um and I, I do think that's one of the most common mistakes churches make often is we go in saying hey we know exactly what needs to happen we know what you need um yeah we know a city or a community needs jesus but um 
you know, many times is meeting the community where they're at in order to help them see who Jesus is and know Jesus. Um, so I appreciate that. I, I do appreciate that about what you shared. And I think it's worth emphasizing the humility and that it's not the same story as everybody else writes because there's not a book. If there was a book um, uh, outside of the scripture of how we're supposed to do it, every church planner would do it because it works, but it doesn't. It doesn't always work the same way. So I appreciate that. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think, you know, how we plan it, you know, there's there's not a book, but there's a play, there's a playbook, you know, like there's a, even for like, you know, you got to get this many people in your launch team and you got to get to here and to here if you want to launch this, you know, this size and this large and all that. And I think with guys, um, I, you know, I, I don't want to put a, umbrella on every single church planner but there are some similar characteristics of church planners and so there's that entrepreneurial uh competitive you know driven person and so you you do put put like a hey this is where you got to get this is what you got to have and all this stuff and there's wisdom behind that stuff but then it's always not going to play out that way and and i think you know it's easy also to come into a community and say hey we're going to bring jesus to the community instead of realizing like hey god's already been here and so, like, how do we just kind of come alongside and, and give people a different taste of who he already is and what he's been doing? But yeah, man, I like I, I think that and that was probably the hardest thing because it was like we have to launch January. Like we've got to do it. And it was like, this isn't gonna happen now. And so what, you know, what do we do now? And I mean, that's honestly been that's been the narrative of our entire, you know, I mean, when we when COVID hit, my like competitive side was like went into overdrive and it was like, we're going to meet every need of the city right now. And Warren, who's our city engagement pastor, who was our, he was our first hire, um, which is not traditional either. Normally they tell you hire worship, hire kids and all that. And so we hired a guy who's basically going to be outreach and make sure that we stayed on mission, even when Sunday started. Um, and I was like, you got to figure it all out now, man. And I about ran him into the ground and myself into the ground. Cause it was like, there's just, you know, you can't, you can't always do that. And that doesn't always, always work that way. So yeah, it's a, it's a dance, man. It's a dance. But then at the end of the day, like the thing that we said day one was that we don't want to get so wrapped up in building our church that we miss Jesus building his. And I think that's just been the common language that we've had to say to each other at times. Um, more so my team has had to say to me at times, just to kind of put me back in, a, in the right perspective of things. That's, that's really good. I mean, I think with leadership comes stress, it comes pressure, you know, and then you throw in COVID and like uncertainty of when you can meet and when you can't and, and what, what steps we have to take to, to keep people connected when you can't gather and, and all that. I mean, it almost feels like it was another lifetime, but you know, we all went through it right. in our own way. Yeah. Right. And so tell us a little bit, cause you, you shared a little bit with me and Jay, just that, that God's been doing a work in you. And, and part of that work that he does in you, and of course, I know me and Jay can also agree, is sometimes through going through seasons of difficulty or, or anxiety or stress. And so I, I, I've always appreciated this about you. I mean, even going back to our college days, you were always very transparent and humble. And I know that that's mm -hmm. kind of, we've, we've heard that today, if you're listening and tracking along with us. But just with that said, um, tell us kind of the journey that God's brought you on, on on some moments where you've, you've really, you've really struggled with, with dealing with all that was going on maybe inside or even with the church and how yeah. God's 
been he's been working on you because that's an area of my life I'm trying to learn and grow in with all the mm. the pressures and the burdens that we carry as pastors. And then just you just add on all the stuff you read about the the culture, our community, and even just our needs in our own families. So um just tell yeah. us about about your journey there. Yeah. So I mean, you know, we get into so 2020 hits our March 15th, we go online and we're like, oh, it's gonna be a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like it's a couple months. And um I think it started with, you know, you I I have learned that the 10 minute, 15 minute car ride from the church or downtown to my house is a gift. And when that 10 minute car ride became 10 steps from my porch to my living room uh during COVID, like it, it just the lines got so blurred um for me in that so i think it, it kind of started there and, and the thing is like even during covid like god was so gracious to our church and the things that we got to do and the relationships we have with the city i mean there was you know the city they were like hey we need to figure out a way to get everybody on board so mayor city manager chief of police all these like 40 different entities and they were like we need to figure out a way to meet and warren was like well i can run a zoom call and they were like well, that's amazing you can do that and i mean it's very simple thing, but it was like, yeah, we can do that. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, in the process of that, like, so one day I'm sitting on my back porch and there's 40 people on a Zoom call and it's about two weeks into doing this every other day, I think. And um, the city manager uh, stops at the end of this and he says, um, he says, hey, if uh, you know what we need right now, we need prayer. And he said, if you don't, if you're not okay with that or you're not, you're not about that, then you can get off the call now. And he asked Warren, our city manager, our city engagement pastor to pray. And so like, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, I took the video off my screen. I'm like punching, like fist punch in the air. Like this is the <laughs> coolest thing ever. Right. And so we keep seeing these, like, um, we, we, we saw God move throughout the entire thing. So it was like, we could see his hand and his faithfulness through it. But I think the pressure that I put on my, I don't, I didn't realize the pressure that I put on myself and the lines that I blurred so much in that process. And so it was, you know, it started with, you know, I'm walking, I'm leaving my laptop on the back porch and trying to walk in and be present with my kids. And like, I haven't, I can't turn my brain off. And so I'm not present there. And then with my wife, like, I'm not, you know, like, and so, but I'm trying to get there and I'm trying to be this for them. And I'm trying to be the pastor that I need to be for my church, but no one's ever been the pastor they need to be for their church in COVID because we never walked through it. And so it's not like we're in a playbook here at all. And so um, we came back to services uh, in June, like mid June. And so, you know, we made all the precautions, all that stuff that, you know, we went to two services and spread out and you know, we're spraying down stuff, all the things trying to be as, um, as careful and safe and, you know, and steward, you know, our people and what we've got well and all that. And so things are going and they're going well for the most part. Um, and then October, 2020, uh, I'm on stage teaching and I just, and immediately, I don't know, something happened and like my knees started shaking my chest started thumping, my heart started thumping. I got sweats and like, I was like, I'm, a, I'm about to either pass out or throw up. And, uh, and I was like, maybe like my blood sugar dropped. I ate breakfast, all that stuff, but it was a baptism Sunday. And so our baptisms, we just have a water trough on the, or, you know, a feeding trough on the, on the stage and it's behind me. And so, and also in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm going to pass out and fall in the baptismal. Like this is going to happen right now. So I, I just told Warren in the middle of the service, uh, I said, Hey, will you grab me a stool? And so I sat on the stool and it didn't go away. And so I was like, well, maybe, yeah, maybe my blood sugar dropped. So I, you know, I got something to eat afterwards between services, but the second service came 
And it was, I still had it again, still felt the same way. And I was like, that was just, it, at that point you walk away from the first time, like it was just, that was just strange. Um, and so we didn't think anything of it. And then the next Sunday comes and I'm on stage and I feel like I'm gonna pass out or throw up. Um, and first service, maybe it was this, second service, maybe it was this. And so I was like, something's not right. And the next Sunday, same thing. And to the point where like I, after that third Sunday, I was like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Like it was that, you know, you're trying to, you're, tr you're staying on stage and trying not to throw up. Also trying to clearly communicate something, you know, and just feeling like, you know, what in the heck is happening? And so that, that happened for about a month. And uh, I remember it was a Monday and I was just sitting at the house. And at this point, Lauren knew, but she, my wife's the only one that really knew what was going on. And then it kept happening. And I just felt so much shame. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just can't, I can't speak. I can't pastor anymore. Like, you know, just, I just want to give it, I, I want to give up because this is, is literally miserable because if I'm not on stage feeling like I'm going to pass out, I'm thinking about it in the rest of the week. And so, um, you know, and to sit on our, you know, we do a Monday night leadership development call every Monday night with anybody, any person who leads a team and, you know, a month in and just to be able to and have to say like, Hey, when I'm on stage right now, like this is what's going on. And I mean, I, I've been in ministry now for 20 years. And so at that point it was like 16 years and preached for 16 years and never felt anything like that. And so to, to, to have that and to feel that, like, and not know what's going on, um, mm -hmm. you just start walking through all the, all the worst things. And so you're, even when you're on stage, your, your mind's playing so many games with you and, um, and you, all you're thinking is how can I get out of here fast enough? So like I'm cutting messages short just to, you know, trying to get out, get off stage as fast as possible. And, um, really just questioning, like, am I supposed to even do this? And so I went to the doctor and they ran all the tests and they're like, you're, you're, you're fine. You're good. You're, I found out I had high blood pressure, which is just, so I had to lose some weight, which is a benefit of going to the doctor, I guess, but it didn't really solve that problem. Um, and so I just started wrestling with it and wrestle with it for about three months it just wouldn't go away and finally in january i got in counseling um just to figure out okay what's what's going on and so that was almost two and a half years ago um but it was still this like and that was a whole lot when we can talk about counseling for forever i'm still in it and probably will always be in it but and I, most of our staff's in counseling as well um but like for me it was just that it was that a couple of things like it was like i i don't want to feel this i don't know why i'm feeling this and then you start saying, well, I'm the only one that ever feels this. And so I slowly, I, you know, I start bringing in guys into this, like other pastors. And um, I remember just three different dinners where I'm sitting with a guy, a buddy, and I'm like, hey, this is what's going on on stage. And their response, and it wasn't like, a, it wasn't cold hearted. Their response was like, man, that stinks. Like, and, it was, and that was it. And it was like, okay. Like you, you just mm -hmm. desperately want someone, you want someone to be like, I get it. Mm -hmm. and there was nobody and you just kept so you're like well crap I just got to figure it out I just got to fight my way through and push my way through and that's my mentality is when something's hard I just put my head down charge the mound and I'll I'll work my way through it um and uh and so just man kept kept going through this process um stayed in counseling uh figured out you know in a couple months like where some of my pressure came from and it was like feeling like I had to I had to win in church planning. Like I had to do it. And 
the pressure was on me to do it. Um, and I'm a, I found out that I'm an, I'm a non-emotional fixer. Like that's my, like people come to me. There's like, you can seem to remove yourself from the situation and see it objectively. And I'm like, I used to think that was a gift. And now I realize, no, I just, I taught myself how not to feel. And when I began to feel something, I didn't, my body didn't know what to do with it. Um, mm -hmm. So the, all that went on and just continuing to do that. And I'll be honest, I still have those feelings on stage now, like three years later, and they, they haven't left, but um, it was about a nine months later. Um, I brought in a pastor to speak uh, for our church in the summer in July. I take the, the, the month off and we'll talk about that in a second, but um, mm -hmm. he, he helped plan our church. So I took him to, took him to dinner. We're at a pizza place and on a Saturday night and I, I shared with him the same thing. And he, uh, and he said, I still get emotional. I told it a thousand times, but he said, I totally understand what you mean. Hmm. And that was like, finally, you know, you feel validated. And so he was mm -hmm. like, I felt like that for the last 15 years. And I was like, Oh crap, it doesn't go away. And uh, so, um, you wow. know, but we just sat, so I'm sitting at this pizza place that I've been in a million times and I'm bawling my eyes out over this pizza. And the waitress is like, are you safe? Are you okay? Like, is you know, like, is, <laughs> do, you, do we need a safe, a safe word right now? And so mm -hmm. he just began to walk me through, like, he's like, I felt that. I, I mean, it's word for word what I went through for him 15 years ago. And I was like, well, what do you do? You know, how do you, how do you get through it? And he walked me through some things that have, you know, drastically changed the way that I view it. Um, you know, things like, Hey, nerves and anxiety. And I also is just your, your mind saying your body telling you like you desperately care about this. And mm -hmm. so, you know, when that stuff comes up, you know, he said, what I tell myself is what I tell myself is that, Hey, this will be uncomfortable, but I will finish. And so, um, you know, like, so you're, you're again on stage trying to deliver a message and then that the, the feelings well up. And so you're dealing with that. And then you're also trying to talk to yourself, but, mm -hmm. um, it's just been a process for me and a journey. And I still, I'm not to the end of it. Um, uh, but I think it's just, it's been cool. Like the first time I ever shared it was Easter Sunday, uh, in 2021. And it was, we were just talking about, Hey, Jesus defeated the darkness once for all. So why do we live in it? And so I just said, mm -hmm. Hey, here's my darkness. You know, like, this is what I feel every Sunday and I feel incredibly inadequate and the fear in my head is if I tell you that you're going to think less of me. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, so that, I mean, that's, sorry, I'm getting all emotional, but like, that's just been the process for me that, um, I know where some of it comes from and then, but just some of it's just there and it's, uh, some days, some Sundays it's worse than others. Uh, the only person that can really read me is my wife. Um, and she can tell when it's, when it's there, um, which is a gift. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, man, I mean, that's just been the, that's been the story of, uh, yeah, of the last few years for me. Hmm. Well, I appreciate your transparency. I think there's a lot that God is teaching you. And I think there's moments where I can go through those those, those times of anxiety, it's, it's the last three, three, four months, probably some moments that I can relate to you on that. Yeah. Sometimes on stage, sometimes not. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but I appreciate your honesty. Cause I think some people think pastors don't deal with what everybody else deals with. And I know that it doesn't really answer what we're talking about today, but I think sometimes there's a, a, a view that like, that we're just, we're pastors. So we're, we don't, we're just at a place spiritually or 
that we don't face anxiety, stress, uh, you know, difficult conversations, whatever it might be. And I think it's awesome that you took those steps to be real with, with a counselor and, and, and be willing to go through, you know, really asking God to help you and, and ask others to help you. Cause I think that's, that's the thing is like Satan wants to isolate us and make us think that we're the only person that's ever dealt with this or that. And, um, I just respect that you're, you're transparent and that you're, you're saying, Hey, to your church family, like I'm not faking it. I'm not trying to just go through the motions. Like I need Jesus too. And this is how he's working in my life. So I think that is what people lean into more than I think ever before is when pastors are real about this is who I am. This is what, this is what God's doing in me and you can pray for me, you know? So I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, and and that's been a gift, right? Like just the, like I've got a guy this past Sunday, um, he came to me and and he's just wrestled with anxiety for a long time. And he was like, you know, I want you to know every time you're up there, I'm praying for you. And those are just, you know, those are cool moments for me of, you know, like, all right, you know, I'm not in this alone. And, uh, and I think Mm -hmm. The more that a Sunday gathering can feel like a communal experience, I think the more healthy it becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a it's not a one way conversation, but it's a there's there's an invitation, and people mm-hmm. feel like they have a part in it. Um, I just think it's a such a beautiful thing. Um, you know, this is a completely other. You know, there's but I think that's one thing I've learned about. Like I've got I've built some good we built some good friendships with some predominantly black churches and just the communal experience that their services are is just a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and I think the more that we can invite people into it, uh, I mean, some of the coolest moments are for me, cause I say from stage periodically, like, Hey, I'm in counseling. If you don't know my counselor's name, I'll give it to you and you can call them up, you know? And, and I've just, you know, there's probably about 20 men over the last few years that have been like, I think I need to get into counseling. And like that to me is a huge win just because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a number one in the church world. I feel like at least growing up for me, I mean, we never talked about that. Like it was like, you mm-hmm. need marriage counseling or, mm-hmm. you know, when there's like a moral failure, they got into mm-hmm. counseling. But it was never like a, like, hey, I just need to be in counseling so I can be healthy and, right. or I'm working through some stuff or whatever. And so I just think normalizing that more um, is, uh, is, it's a mm-hmm. huge thing for us. And it's just been a big win in that for us. And so, um, but I think it did, it, you know, it did start with having a, and that was a hard hurdle to clear of like, I just need to, Mm-hmm. I just need to be out with this. Like, I just need mm-hmm. to, people just got to know what's going on, you know? So you've, uh, you, you've shared a lot of good stuff. Uh, and, and you thank you for being transparent. Thank you for being real about your journey, your story, uh, about, you know, uh, counseling and bringing that up and having those open conversations, being open about that. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. What are a couple of things that, um, what are some things that you say, Hey, look, if these are the, uh, if we were to take everything you've said today, which is a lot, um, what are some things that you would say, Hey, every pastors, you really need to take this to heart. These are some lessons that I've learned that I want to pass along that are just really valuable, valuable things that every pastor, you know, including Josh and I need to know. Yeah, man. I, don't, I mean, I, this is one of those where I'm like, I'm four years into this thing. Right. And trying to figure it out still, but, um, you know, I think the, the thing that I didn't realize is, you know, the difference between starting something and sustaining something, um, the, you know, the effort, the effort that starting something, so church planning, the effort that church planning needs 
um, you know, the same amount of effort that you put into starting something, you have to put into sustaining it. And so, but what that actually looks like, it's just a different kind of energy and a different kind of awareness. Um, I, I think it's for you. I think it's for, you know, we're four years in now and by the grace of God, the people that started with us, majority of them are still here. Uh, we've had some, you know, there's a few that, you know, stories of, I mean, we had one that, uh, you know, was just like, hey, six months in, like, hey, you know, we're going to leave because we're tired of hearing about black people. Um, and what they meant was they're tired of hearing about us talk about diversity. And mm. I just graciously said, like, man, if I'm if you're ticked off now, like, I'm just going to tick you off even more. And we're just going to tick you off even more. So maybe it's, you know, there's a better place for you. But for the most part, like we've had, uh, you know, people that have stayed. And so I, I think even the way that I that I'm learning to build sustainable rhythms. Cause I think balance is a myth. I think the more that we talk about how do I balance family and church, like there's just, it's a myth. There's no way for it. Um, and I think balance, I think balance uh, brings pride into our hearts because it makes mm -hmm. us think that we're doing something. I think when we, we can build rhythms of rest and rhythms of health. Um, I think mm -hmm. that it's just a better it's, I mean, it's Sabbath, right? Like it's a biblical concept of rest is Sabbath. And so, um, so I think for me, it's what I've learned is, you know, you've got to figure out, I think two things are important to me is coaching and counseling. Um, so to have somebody in a corner that is, you know, asking you difficult questions, um, because like you said, Josh, I think, and I'm just now experiencing, but like there's moments in ministry where I felt like I, I totally get and see where pastors put themselves on the island. And I understand why. Like I, because no one else in the church is going to experience what you're feeling. No one else in the church experiences the pressure. Like everyone thinks that their phone call is the only phone call that's coming to you, and their text message is the only text message that's coming to you, and they don't realize the the mm -hmm. twenty to thirty to forty to hundred whatever it is text message that you're getting daily. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's very easy to be like no one else gets it, and so like I'll just I'll try to survive on this island. And so I think inviting someone into your corner that can help you in that that's ahead of the game. For you so i mean i've got a coach that he's a he's playing a church 14 years ago and so i've got a source of accountability to him uh just on everything so like rhythms in my life mentally physically emotionally relationally spiritually all those things um mm -hmm. i think so coaching is a big one i, I do think counseling is a I'm, I'm just a big advocate for it and i think it's not it's something that can be built into your rhythm it's, i think it can be built into most people's budgets um, and so mm -hmm. I think it's something that to offer, to lead the way and be a part of. And then I think you also offer it to your staff, um, as well in that. And so, uh, and with that, so like with those rhythms, um, I just think rhythms of rest are huge and now like rhythms of naps. I think naps are good, but, um, you know, I wish I could take more of my brain just can't shut off that easy. Uh, mm -hmm. but I think rhythms of just sitting in stillness or even activity where I get to focus my mind back on Jesus and get to focus my mind back and inviting the Holy Spirit and just listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to fill me up. Like I've got to fight for those because my my default is not to rest ever. Um, and so we've built in some of those things into our family. So like weekly, monthly, yearly, um, weekly, my wife and I have a date. And so uh, we take... Um, Sometimes it's just lunch and a walk. Other times it's a little bit more, but we, we spend, uh, we have a date uh, once a week. Um, you know, monthly there's things that I've tried to build in and then yearly 
I take the month of July off. Um, so from stage, definitely, and from the majority of church responsibilities. And just to go on vacation with my family, I, I take a trip by myself with my coach and like the cohort that I'm in um, and some of those things. And so just the time to get away. Because for me, like I just, I can't, knowing that the stage takes so much out of me and being okay with that, because I feel like I'm, I know I'm called to it. Um, and ministry takes so much out of us, but we're called to it. I think we've got to build in those rhythms of rest um, and fight for them. And, uh, and I think I, what I've seen is our staff has just learned to fight for it more. And mm -hmm. what's weird is that, so Warren and I have talked about a couple of times, we're, we're both turning 40 this year. And so um, we're the oldest by far on our staff. And so one of the things that we're, we, we forget is that we need to have the conversations with our young staff that we either wish somebody had with us or knowing or they did have with us. And so, you know, trying to just lead the way in that is, is a, it's a challenge, but trying to, you know, just trying to do it better than what we grew up seeing. So. That's awesome. What network or cohort are you, are you connected with Josh? Yeah. So the church planning network, I'm still, is it one that we went through with Stadia? So um, Stadia still provides some post-launch coaching. So they're, they're actually coming in in a few weeks to do some staff assessment stuff with our staff here. Um, and then uh, the coach that I've got, his name's um, John Peacock. And so he's a mission church in Chicago. And so he started, I mean, it was, I just lucked out. I went to this church planning cohort and pre-launch and he was one of the speakers and I was like, hey, man, can I get your number and just pick your brain at times? And then the next year he was like, I think I want to start coaching. And so we were like the guinea pigs, like we we're the beta. And mm -hmm. uh, and so but I've just stayed in it. Um, I took I took I thought I could take a year off and six months into taking a year off. I was like, no, I need this still. And so, um, yeah, so we we just built back into it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Josh, this has been a great conversation, one that. Um, I think I can go back and listen to and gather multiple different factors of uh, things that you've learned along the way that you pass on that are, uh, I think they're, they're timeless in the sense of pastors. I think pastors, you know, 20 years ago would say some of the same things you're saying right now um, that need to be passed on. So I'm encouraged that you're passing these on to your staff um, now. So uh, Josh, I do want to thank you for being here on the podcast today and thank you for sharing and being transparent and real. Um, and opening up uh, to us and whoever else clicks on this podcast and listen. And so um, thanks again for being here. Uh, Josh uh, Robinson, again, it's been a good time. Uh, man, we learn, I think we get more out of these podcasts than some of our listeners do, but we're grateful because of the guests like you. So uh, from Josh, Josh and myself, from both Josh's and me, uh, we hope you have a great weekend ahead of you. I hope to see you back here next week on the Pastor Pod. Uh, see you now.